0: You know how communion works, right? This, this is a service you have to participate in. You say, yeah, you're going you're gonna to pass out the bread and juice. No, I mean before that. You, you have to take a journey in this communion service. You have to do it in everyone. You have to start from where you are when you come in and get to the place where you're ready to, to really talk to God yourself and tell him what you're thinking. And the musicians do a great job because they take you halfway there. And you're, you're singing these songs and you're listening. That was my cross. Those were my nails. You have to grab a hold of those concepts and take them all the way in. Your blood. That satisfied God's wrath. Once your enemy, say whose enemy? We were God's enemy. We have to to go on the journey in our mind, or we're not really ready when we get to the place that we pass the elements out to to really talk to God. And that's that's what it's about. Drinking that little bit of juice and eating that little cracker, that's that's not going to do anything for you. There's no spiritual thing in that. It's happening in your mind and heart. That's where it's happening. And the musicians are just guiding you there. That's all I'm doing too. We're We're just guiding. But you have to take the journey on your own. Teens, you have to make the journey on your own your parents can't get you to the place where you're ready to do this. It can mean something to you, but you have to take the journey. Here we go. Jonah chapter 1. Grab your Bibles. You say, Jonah. Like Pastor McNeil, I, I, I was on the journey, but now I've lost. I'm lost. I don't know where we are going. I, I know. But when I, when I talked through the book of Jonah, I skipped a verse. I don't think you noticed. I, I probably read it, but I just didn't talk about it. Because I, I wanted to save it and I wanted to talk about it tonight. We, we have to see if we can get inside the mind of Jonah. Okay? God told him to go up to Nineveh, but he didn't want to go. There were lots of reasons he didn't want to go up there. So he hightails it in the opposite direction. God sends the storm. Jonah's on the boat. The sailors do everything they can. They cry out to their God. They, they do everything kind of in religion that they can do. And when Jonah says, hey, I'm, the, I'm at fault. You have to throw me overboard. The sailors try everything they can. They do everything they possibly can. But they cannot get this boat to shore. The storm just got worse and worse. They've done everything they can. Finally, they cry out to the true God. And they say, Lord, we've done everything we can. Don't hold us accountable because we're throwing Jonah overboard. So now, each one of us, you've got to become Jonah for a second in your mind. You told them to throw you overboard, so do you fight you fight when they grab you to throw you? I don't think so. Come on, you've got to think through the story with me. Here's Jonah, they grab him, and he willingly goes, and these guys, you know, three, four, five of them, they they pick up Jonah. He was a prophet, so he's good size. (laughs) Just saying. They, They grab Jonah, they take him over, and they throw him overboard, and this is a tremendous storm. He hits the water, and it isn't very long before he's going down. And in the midst of his going down, he talks about the fact that he's got seaweed wrapped around his head. You know, we don't exactly know where all that's happening. Maybe some of it's happening in the fish. But somewhere in here, all of a sudden, this mammoth something, sperm whale maybe, swallows him. Swallows you. Now, we have to con- contemplate that for a minute. You're inside the stomach of a whale, the first stomach, right? There are three. You, you probably get what 's happening as you 're going down the throat, I imagine a whale 's tongue you know could weigh as much as an elephant i don 't know what you know about whales, but a whale 's tongue can be big, so it 's forcing you down. Do you think he was going willingly? Do you think he 's fighting? Most of you are nodding like you think he 's fighting I, I think he 's fighting. But he's got, you know, what, 50 of these teeth that are this long? And he's trying to avoid those, I, I would imagine. Anyway, at some point he realizes he's swallowed. And now he's in the stomach. How's the light? I'm not talking about in this room, I'm talking about in the whale's gut. Fred, how much light in a whale's... God, you look like a man who knows your whales. From experience, there's none. Experience, there's none. Okay. We have, we have no light. Do you think like you can find a steady place to get your bearings in this whale gut? Or do you think you're sloshing? Let's just stop and let me ask How petrified are you? You say, well, Jonah wanted to die. I don't think so. He was willing to die. But I don't think he wanted to die. People generally don't want to die. He finds himself in this whale stomach. There's no light. How much air is there? Well, it's it's full of acid they they tell you that a man can't survive in a whale stomach for three days but hey we're into miracle here anyway but this is a bad place he's getting sloshed this way and sloshed this way I imagine he's trying to get out never been there myself but I don't know what you try to do do you try to climb up He could try to go down. That doesn't sound good. I, I don't know exactly what you do. Now we can laugh a little, but how long do you think it took before he figured out this was hopeless? Do you think he figured it out? If I point at you right now and say you get swallowed tomorrow by a whale, when you wake up in the fish's gut, the whale's gut, at some point do you get hopeless? You think, I cannot get out. I'm going to die in here. I think so. Are you in Jonah? If if you don't get the hopelessness of Jonah, you don't get chapter 2. From inside the fish Jonah prayed to the Lord and he said, Now he didn't say these exact words. This he wrote after the fact. I'm pretty sure he wasn't writing this in the whale. I'm confident I'm right on this. It's Hebrew poetry. I don't think he was doing I don't think he was getting that fancy. Okay, but he says, I said this kind of stuff. This is what I was thinking. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled around me, and all your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waves threatened me, the deep surrounded me, seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the root of the mountains, I sank down the earth beneath Barred me in forever, but you brought me up from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. And my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. And then this classic line, because salvation... Comes from the Lord. Yes, it does. You say, Pastor McNeil, he was talking about salvation from the fish, but you're going to try to spin this and make this salvation from our sins through Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ himself spun it. In the New Testament, Jesus said, People are always looking for a sign, but they're not going to get a sign except the sign of Jonah the prophet who was three days in the belly of the whale and just like him, the Son of Man will be three days in the grave. Jesus said there's a connection. And I think what we can get tonight is this sense of hopelessness before Jesus. Now, some of us have been saved a while. How many of you in this room have been saved 20 years or more? Let me see your hands. Okay. Bunches of you. Okay. So we have to go back. We have to go back. And we have to, in our mind, recapture the hopelessness of what it means to face eternity without Jesus Christ. Jonah's in the belly of the whale and truly he cannot do a thing. Nothing. I don't believe there's anything Jonah can do to get himself out of there. Nothing he can do. What he needs is somebody to rescue him And that's what God does. And so that's why Jonah says, at the end of his big praise statement, he says, and when I get to the end, what I've learned is this. Salvation comes from the Lord. And that's what we have to get tonight. That our salvation is all about Jesus. Nothing about us. and we know it but we don't always think this way let me show you why Matthew 26 go with me to Matthew 26 it's easy to get off in our thinking so I'm going back to the first communion service first communion service the one Jesus held Matthew 26, verse 30. When they had sung a hymn, at the end of the communion service, they, they sang this hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives, and Jesus said, This very night you will all fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I've risen, I'll go ahead of you into Galilee. Jesus said you're going to run things are going to go bad tonight and in the end you're going to run and Peter got the message he said Peter replied even if all fall away on account of you I never will not me I'm not like the other people in this room I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never, ever disown you. Peter made the classic mistake. And the classic mistake is to think that our commitment to Jesus, is what holds us to him. It's what we do. He was basing his confidence on his commitment to Jesus. And it's really easy to do this. To get thinking that somehow it's about what we do. When in reality... The key to our relationship with God is not how much we're committed to Him, but how much He's committed to us. And this is what we have to get. Our situation is hopeless, and we can't do anything, anything, to make it right with God. It's all what Jesus does for us and None of what we do for Jesus. Salvation is from the Lord. Let's imagine it this way. Let's suppose it's the end of time and we've all died. We're all dead. You're all dead. And we're in a huge room. And everybody else who's ever died is in the room too. Big room. And you know where where we are. It is appointed unto man once to die and after death to stand where? Before God for judgment. Appointed unto man once to die and after death to stand before God for judgment. So we're all gathered in this huge room and we're going to stand before God for judgment. And Peter comes out and in the loudspeaker he says line up. So everybody, not just the people in this room, but everybody who's ever been saved, we all scramble to get in a line. Have you ever done this? Been in a room and they say line up and everybody scrambles to get in the line? After you're in the line, what do you do? You check to see who's in front of you and who's behind you. You want to know who you're in line with. Lots of you are trying to get someone to go in line with you. You're grabbing somebody and say, let's go together. Because you don't want to end up in the line standing alone. But here you are, standing in the line. Okay? I'll just do me. Let's suppose I'm standing in line and I got separated from Cindy and now I'm standing in this line and I'm trying to see who's there. So I look because this line's going to all go before God and he's going to pronounce judgment. And I want to see who's in front of me. And I look two up and it's Billy Graham. Now, I know him. So I think, two-ups, Billy Graham. And I look up there and I think, that's Billy Graham. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be in the line right behind Billy Graham. <laughs> is anybody here agreeing with me? Maybe you don't care. But I do not want to be right behind Billy. And I see that Billy is talking to this guy that he seems like he knows. He's the guy right in front of Billy. And I... I tap the lady in front of me, and I say, that's Billy Graham. She says, I know. I said, who's he talking to? He says, the Apostle Paul. (laughs) I think, I'm in line behind Billy Graham and the Apostle Paul. And you can laugh, but I don't want to be there. So I'm looking for a place I can move. And Peter says, No changing spots. <laughs> and I look at this lady in front of me. I think, mean, Who is she? And Billy turns around and says, Hey, Mary. <laughs> and I listen to them talk, and I figure out this is Mary, the mother of Jesus. I'm in line behind the Apostle Paul, Billy Graham, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and I don't want to be there. Ryan, do you want to be there? I don't want to be there. Now, you can say what you want to say, but I do not want to be there, and I'm actually dead serious. I don't want to be there. But we get up there to the front, and God talks to the Apostle Paul, and he says, I'm a little disappointed. You can laugh, but I'm not laughing in my spot in line. He says, Paul, you didn't you didn't really do all that well. And I think, oh my word. And Billy steps up and God says to Billy, Billy, you didn't you didn't really ring the bell. I'm a little disappointed. Now, if you can sweat and have, I'm sweating. And I think if you were there, you'd be sweating too. We can laugh, but I think you would be. And Mary steps up and God says, hey, I, I appreciate, you know, Mother of Jesus and all, but actually, the rest of you, I wasn't really, I was a little disappointed. Let's imagine this. Let's imagine we all run for the line, and when I get in line, I got these guys in front of me, and I don't really know them, but this guy, two-ups, got long hair, and I, I start listening, I figure out it's Samson. You say, oh, it's not Billy, it's Samson. Yeah, Samson, you know the guy that was always messing up with women? And I take a look at Samson, and I go, hmm, I like my spot. And I see Samson talking to this guy in front of him and after they talk a bit, I figure out it's Lot. You know that rascal from the Old Testament? And I think, Samson and Lot. Okay. this, This could be worse. And it's Samson and Lot and then there's this other guy between me and Samson and they talk a little bit and I figure out it's... King Saul from the Old Testament. And I think, King Saul, I think I'm okay. They get to the front. They get to the front. And Lot talks to God. And God says, Lot, you were a disappointment to me. But now, I think, oh yeah, that's a Lot. I mean, I was better than Lot. You see how it changes how I view it? And God talks to Samson, and he says to Samson, wow, you were, you were a disappointment to me. And I think, Okay. But here's really what happens. Lot steps up to God and God says you're you're a you, you didn't really do it Lot and Jesus steps up and he says he's with me and Samson steps up And Jesus says, he's with me. And Billy steps up. And he's done nothing either that gets him in. And Jesus says, he's with me. And the Apostle Paul steps up. And he hasn't done anything to get him in either. And Jesus says, he's with me. And I step up. And I look at Jesus. Because if I'm going to get in, are you with me now? In the end, we don't do anything to merit being in God's family. We do nothing to get ourselves in. When we get in, we get to the front of the line. We look for Jesus, and Jesus says, He's with me. This is why we're here tonight. To remind ourselves that if any part of us getting into heaven, any part of it depends on us, we're not getting in. If any part of this, 1%, we have to do it ourselves, we're not going to make it. We're going to get in for one reason. Because Jesus steps in from the sidelines and says, Rusty, he's with me. And you're going to be very, very thankful, aren't you? And Jack Waller's going to step up. And it doesn't matter who's in front of him or who behind him. All that matters is if Jesus says, he's with me. Because it's all Jesus. All Jesus. All Jesus. And here's the statement Jonah said, salvation is from the Lord. Yes, it is. Pastor Steve said this last month in communion. I don't know if you remember, but I do. Our performance gets us nothing. I remember him saying that. Our performance gets us nothing. It's all about Jesus. And it's not that we're with Him, it's that He says, They're with me. It's all on Jesus. That's why we come to communion tonight to say thank you. Here we go, let's do this. Let's grab your hymn books. Let's sing together a song. It's a good song for right here. Okay, let's stand together and we'll sing page number 11. And deacons, you can make your way down to the front. We sing this song from time to time. It's a great song right here. How. Can I say thanks Thanks, for the things you have done for me? Things so undeserved. For the things he hath done. Thanks, except for the deacons, you may be seated. If you're here tonight... And it makes sense to you that it isn't about what you've done. It isn't about how good you've lived your lives. If that makes sense to you, that it's all about what Jesus did for us. And if you're trusting Jesus right now as your only hope, then we invite you, when we pass these elements and we remember that Jesus actually died on a cross, His body on the cross, He shed His blood so that we could be forgiven, If that really means something to you, we invite you to to take part with us. But if you're here tonight and you don't really know Jesus as your Savior, (laughs) you not really have your hope only on Him, then God says when we do this that you should pass it by and I encourage you to do what what God says. You have some moments while while we do this. It's appropriate to tell Jesus, to tell God that you know it's only because he says bobs with me david's with me julie's with me it's only because jesus says that it's appropriate to tell god thank you and how much how much it means to you you take these moments and and use them to worship and to and to thank god together David Renheck, I'll ask you to return thanks for the bread. Our Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that we can know what Jesus did on our way. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's just Jesus saying she's with me it's just Jesus saying Scott's with me nothing Scott's done it's just Jesus saying Ben's with me It's nothing Ben's done it's just Jesus saying Bob's with me it's nothing Bob's done Why we sing things Jesus, Jesus, Jesus There's just something about that name Master Savior Jesus like the fragrance. After the rain, Jesus, 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 let all heaven and earth proclaim. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away, but there's something. That name. In remembrance of Jesus. I'll ask Howard Dickman to return thanks for the couple. Father, I just want to thank you, Father, for what you've done for us. On the cross, I thank you, Father, for shedding it. Say, hey, Pastor McNeil. You like communion. I do. You know why? Because I really see it like I talked about it today. It's just Jesus saying, He's with me. I really believe that. It isn't anything I've done. It's all just the grace of Jesus that He looks and He says, "Kathy, she's with me. Beth, she's with me. Jean, she's with me. Mike, he's with." And I know he loves me. And I know he likes me. But I'm still just caught up in the wonder that he chooses me. It's all Jesus. In remembrance of him. Well, we usually end with a song together. How about we do this? How about let's just sing the first and the last verse of Amazing Grace? You won't even need your books for that. Let's stand together. Amazing Grace. We'll just marvel in the grace. Amazing Grace. How sweet